Ready to dominate at the plate? Blast Baseball is trusted by more major league and college teams than any other hitting solution. The Blast sensor attaches to the knob of any bat, providing real-time feedback with every swing. Go to BlastMotion.com and enter code NOWD1 at checkout to save $25. All right, everybody, it is 9 o'clock. Let's get right into it. We do this show every Monday through Thursday at 9 p.m. Eastern on X Spaces. I'm Alan Gay, and this is now D1 Speaks. Hey, we got a special show tonight. It's a show that I've really been looking forward to. We're not going to be talking with an uncommitted prospect. We're going to be talking with a current college coach. We have got Newberry University assistant, Gordy Tyson. Hey, Coach Tyson, are you with us? Yes, Alan, I'm here. Thanks for having me. Hey, thank you for being on. We absolutely appreciate it. Really looking forward to tonight. Hey, why don't you kind of get things started? Maybe tell us a little about your playing career and ultimately, how'd you get into coaching? Okay, well, uh, my playing career, uh, Alan, in all honesty, was a long time ago. Uh, (laughs) um, Back, you know, I graduated from high school in Waterford, Michigan in the mid-70s, 1976, uh, and I, I played three sports. I was at a small Catholic high school, Our Lady of the Lakes High School. Two sports there that freshman year, and uh, I don't know. I mean, I end up usually telling my players this anyway, but I didn't study very well that first year. So my <laughs> second year, I stayed at home, played junior college baseball at Oakland Community College. Uh, my third year, I, I really didn't have an academic direction yet. Uh, so I was, was at home. I worked for a year on the assembly mine on the assembly line at uh, general motors truck and coach. Uh, we, we built 32 trucks an hour. I did that for 13 months and I started coaching during that time at my old high school. I, I helped out with the football team and, uh, my old high school, principal who was also my football and basketball coach he hired me to be the jv baseball coach and i remember the exact day that i decided i want to become a coach and that was uh it was probably our first game of the season and we had an exciting one-run victory for a jv baseball team and i decided that's what i wanted to do so so really that inspired me to go back to college get a degree in uh and, and I was coaching three sports back then um, until I became a head coach at uh, Siena Heights University, which is where I graduated from, and I played baseball there. Um, in 1987, that summer, I became the head baseball coach there, and I've been doing that ever since at, at various schools, though. Man, what a introduction. <laughs> I love that. I tell you, yeah. one thing that really struck me was uh, working on the assembly line. That jumped out to be 32 cars, 32 vehicles an hour. That's impressive in 1977 or 78. You know, I, I would think that's impressive today. Yeah, well, you know, after uh, two years of college, like I said, didn't really have a direction yet that I that I knew, you know, that I wanted to follow. And so, you know, in, being in Michigan, the auto industry has always been huge. And I was fortunate to get a job. And it took me a long time, actually, to make as much money as I made in that 
<laughs> first year on the assembly mount on the assembly line and actually when uh when uh, i decided i was going to go I said hey you can just take an educational leave and have this job back next year and i said you know what i do not want to come back here um <laughs> and it's not that i didn't like it but i just knew that wasn't for me you know yeah absolutely um, that was not your yeah. calling your calling no, it was wasn't. baseball yes it was yes apparently anyway <laughs> so let me ask you something all right so two years then then a year on the assembly line so you're like 20 years old 21 years old when you became the jv coach uh i was yeah it was during my uh yeah my third it would have been my third year of college yeah um yeah yeah so 20 i was 20 years old yeah. 20 years old all right you said it was an exciting game do you remember who won the game yeah uh i'm not sure who we played against we played in the detroit catholic league um but i remember we came from behind and and it was a home game and we had a walk-off win, um, <laughs> you, you know. So it was a like a four to three or a three to two kind of game. Uh, oh yeah, I'll never forget that. I love it, and you knew right then. That is so cool, man. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that story. That's a great yeah. way to start tonight. So, yeah. so let me ask you. Now here you are. You know, you're at Newberry University. I mean, you've got forty years of college coaching experience, and so just kind of give us a little bit of some insight and maybe some principles that have really stayed constant with you throughout your coaching career and, and, and even shaped the way you're coaching today. Well, I would say some of those principles have, I don't necessarily want to say changed, but they have evolved. Um, just, just as I have evolved. Um, <laughs> and, you know, I was the kind of uh, athlete like I said, I played three sports in college. I actually ended up uh, playing three sports, or I played three in high school. And in college, uh, I played four years of baseball. But my freshman year, I played football. My senior year, my fifth year, I ran cross country. And wow. I, was, I was not a runner. But I was the kind of athlete that was, I was never the best athlete on my teams. But I was, I was one of the better athletes. Um, I had uh, in, you know, in baseball, I was a catcher, uh, and I'm a pitching coach now, and that kind of goes along with catching anyway. Um, and I was, I was definitely a better defensive catcher than I was a hitter. <laughs> Is that most people that get into coaching are the kind of guys that on their, on the teams they grew up playing on in high school and college. They were guys that almost always gave 100% for the team. Hmm. And those are the kind of guys I think that end up becoming coaches a lot, which is really probably why so many coaches emphasize the team uh, over, over individuals, you know. Um, and, and for some individuals, that's a hard thing for them to swallow, you know, when they're the best players on the team, um, you know, but – but I believe that when you're that way as a player, it's, it's, it's easier to coach because not, not necessarily easier to coach, but you understand that the team is bigger than the individual. Mm. And that's probably one of the principles that I've always, uh, you know, coached with. Um, in addition to, 
I think, uh, you know, as, as a coach, I, I've gotten better at a lot of things and I've, and I do many things differently than I used to do when I was a younger coach, um, be able to connect with, with the guys that I coach. Um, and because communication is important and, uh, you know, that along with hard work, uh, those are, those are probably the principles that have stuck with me. But the, the part about connecting with guys, that's something, yeah, you, you do have to work on it. Um, but also I think some guys come by it more naturally than others. Man, I love these answers again. And and I'm just thinking about your own personal experiences. I mean, you are obviously a a very skilled athlete, well-rounded, three sports in high school, and then end up playing football, baseball, your freshman year, and your fifth year senior running track. I mean, you are obviously a very, very good athlete. And, but, but the thing that I love that you're talking about, though, with the coaching philosophy is the team first. And I, I just love the way you must have kept that in perspective because it seems like it would have been easy to really kind of feel your own individual abilities and not really be able to focus on the team. I think that's pretty impressive. It's almost like you being a catcher and, and then becoming the pitching coach, seeing it from the other side. I think that's really probably kind of unique overall to be able to to, to see it from, from a different angle. There are a lot of uh, uh, catchers who become uh, major league managers. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that's no accident. You know, the catcher's the guy that sees the whole field when he's, you know, behind the plate and, and really is involved with, with decision-making that sometimes even pitchers aren't involved in. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, as far as uh, the, the other part about, coaching and and this is why and and i know this is not related to your question but um many of us college coaches like to recruit guys who played multiple sports in high school like like i did and and even did in college and part of the reason is because when like like myself for example I was, you know, like I wasn't ever the best, best athlete, but I played different roles in football and basketball and baseball. And even in cross country, I was a horrible cross country runner, but I had a role on our team. And when you learn how to play different kind of roles, like you might have like a kind of a best player role in your main sport, but in other sports, you might something like that so you learn those things and and becoming a coach it's it's helpful i think to be able to uh understand how guys on the bench or guys that are role players uh feel you know and because we we know how most of us that were you know playing in the lineup every day understand what it's like to be in the lineup but Mm -hmm. we don't always understand what it's like to be that guy that might only get in every other weekend or something like that. Excellent point. Thank you. Absolutely. Yeah. So let, let's talk a little bit about Hillsdale College. Okay. I, okay. Yeah. I, I think you had a lot of success there. You had a D2 tournament appearance and a program record wins as well. Kind of talk to us about some of the strategies there that really led to the success, particularly at Hillsdale. Yeah. Well, at Hillsdale, I was there eight years from, let's see, uh, 20, 2014 season through 2021. My son, Eric, was 
was my boss. He was the head coach. <laughs> so I went over there and joined him. I was the pitching coach. And he, he was a pitcher only in college. Uh, he became our hitting coach. Um, and Hillsdale is an outstanding academic institution, Division II regionals. And those were the first uh, regionals that uh, Hillsdale uh, played in, in Division II. And they became Division II way back. Well, well shoot, they were Division Three until, I think, 1960, when I was two years old. Uh, so then, then they went to Division Two, um, and and were never in a Division Two postseason, uh, you know, regional until what year was our first year in there? 2016, and then again we were there in uh, in the regionals in 2018. Um, and so, so what we did there, and Eric, uh, he was a young coach, and you know he brought me along, and he was. He, he was a lot more mature than what his, his age would have suggested. You know, he was in his late 20s. Um, and what we really did there, first of all, at Hillsdale, uh, it's a real high academic school. Um, and so all the guys we were getting were, were in recruiting were a lot smarter than we were. <laughs> um, but with, with guys that are high achievers academically, they tend to be real high character guys too. So mm. they were good guys to coach, but uh, in order to start winning, we had to recruit. And, and I, and I specifically remember Eric and I still talk about this. Like my, he, he, and he was an assistant there for three years before he became the head coach. But um, when the, the, the first year or two, when we'd get phone calls or emails from, high school coaches around the state of Michigan or summer coaches. And they all knew Hillsdale was a high academic uh, school. Um, they would say, Hey, we got a guy that'd be great for Hillsdale, blah, blah, blah. And so what I started saying to these coaches and I knew many of them because I had been a college coach for, uh, you know, a couple decades by that time, uh, I would say, are these guys you're recommending to Wayne state and grand Valley? <laughs> and they would, and they, almost all the time would say, no, they can't play there. Well, we were in the same conference as Wayne State and Grand Valley. And I would say then they can't play for us either because huh. those are the teams we're trying to beat. Um, so I think previously those coaches knew that because we were – Hillsdale was a high academic place that, you know, they'd be able to go to school, school there and play championships. So, so in addition to – kind of we tried to recruit kind of dirt bags that were high achieving and guys in the classroom but at the same time we had a little bit of a small field um and so so we really tried to recruit bigger guys with power potential and we were trying to recruit kind of a bigger pitchers with power potential as well um and so that made it those guys were good for our field and a few other fields in our conference. Um, but by the same token, we knew that the mental game was important. So those first couple of years, uh, with Division Two rules as far as practice time and stuff like that, what we did after fall ball was we were doing what we called chalk talks. And they weren't like, you know, X's and O's chalk talks. It was more mental game stuff. And so part of that was, 
you know, just getting the guys to believe they were champions before they actually became champions and visualizing themselves, you know, with a championship trophy or, or shaking hands or dog piling or whatever it was. So actually we're champs. <laughs> Man, that is outstanding. I am really enjoying tonight, Coach Tyson, all the way around. And and Great. I'm sitting here thinking, I'm sitting here thinking about you guys. The first thing you really did was just raise the recruiting floor right off the oh, bat. Yeah. Oh, what a great comment. Hey, would you recommend these guys to Wayne State and Grand Valley? No. Well, that's not who we're looking for either. I love that right off the yeah. bat. And, yeah. and, then, uh, and then, of course, the mental aspect went right with it. But the thing that I kept thinking about the whole time you were talking, Coach Tyson, what a fantastic memory for you and your son. I mean, to have the opportunity to be coaching at the highest levels that you can honestly coach and to be together and to have the experiences that y'all had together for eight years. I mean, that's just amazing. That, that's something you guys will obviously have for the rest of your life, it, you know, and, and you'll draw on so many conversations and, hey, do you remember when such and such and immediately just start laughing? I mean, that is so cool. I mean, that just really kind of touched my heart to think about the opportunity to work either with my dad or my son. That's so cool. Oh, yeah. You know, and really – um, th there's challenges that come with that, of course. <laughs> um, but, but the, the rewards and, and like you said, the, the memories, um, almost a 24 hour basis, 365 days a year, uh, was, was better than you can even imagine. <laughs> um, and, 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 uh, um, and, and it's not just, you know, doing something with, with a family member or, or with my son. Um, but it's, it's learning and growing from so many times from his example as well, you know. Um, and that's one of the things. I'm 65 years old, um, and, and I still feel like I really connect to college-age guys. Um, but I also know that if I can't embrace learning from young guys – and learning from the new ways that baseball is being taught today, then I will become obsolete. So, hmm. um, so that stuff is important. But like, like you had said, the opportunity to coach with Eric was certainly ultimately going to be probably the best eight years of my professional life. <laughs> I bet it is. I bet it yeah. was. <laughs> oh, so yeah. Hey, everyone that is joining this evening, thank you so much for being here. We absolutely appreciate it. If you got in late, don't worry about it. We record this space, so we're going to be able to uh, replay it in its entirety later after we complete it. Uh, we absolutely do appreciate the support of Now D1, and thank you for the support for Coach Tyson as well. This is just a fantastic evening. You got tons of experience on the phone with us and uh, just kind of diving into a little bit of his, his history as to – how he got to Newberry University. So this is really, really cool. Thank you so much, Coach Tyson, for just taking a little bit of time to be with us this evening. I'm enjoying um, it, Alan. Thanks. Oh, well, thank you. So, you know, you've been at various levels coaching. You know, hey, 40 years you've been, you've been at this thing. But primarily, if we're really thinking about uh, maybe some D3 schools and D2 schools, Talk to us just a little bit about maybe what some of the differences are there and, and, you know, some of the specific needs or challenges or even the type of athlete that you're really looking for. Well, you know, uh, I've been at the Division II level now for the last, this is, I think, the last 11 years now. I'm 
for uh, nine years before that. I was at the D3 level and NAIA for 16 years. And, and at our level, really, you, when you want to try to compete for championships, obviously you got to find guys with some God-given athletic ability. And, and really, the, the best, the guys with the best to showcases or recruiting events or, or when we're working camps or when we're going to high school games and summer tournaments and, and all those kind of uh, things where we go to uh, evaluate talent. So the best guys, everybody can tell, you know, um, at our level. And, and basically this started for me way back when I was NAIA head coach. You want, you, you look for guys that are, that have something that the division one coaches might like. And, and I used to call them back then, maybe borderline division one guys, you know, um, nowadays, I don't know if you'd call them that, but the other part of it, especially today is, you, you know, it, we're different than say major league scouts because they're looking at projectability. What's a guy going to be like five years down the road and maybe more. Well, we're going to have guys at the most for five years. So we do want guys to make an immediate impact. Um, but we also know that say a six, 280 pounder uh, in a couple years might be six, two, maybe, maybe a little taller, we're not, we're not usually getting the five tool guys, you know, we're getting guys that maybe are really good at one or two things or have, have, you know, one or two, maybe three above average tools and the other tools might be even below average. Um, and, and sometimes depending on your needs for a year, when you're recruiting, you might say, well, we, we need some more guys with power or we need some more speed guys and so then you might be focusing for, you know, a 12 month recruiting period on, on guys like that, or, or it might be, man, we're just, well, and I've gone through times and, and right now we're at uh, Newberry. Uh, we, we have a need for more left-handed pitching really, but we had that need the first few years at Hillsdale too. And so at first we were bringing in lefties that, maybe weren't even touching 80 miles an hour with their fastballs just so that we could have some lefties to use in certain situations in games. And then once we got those, then we were able to start getting some lefties that maybe were, were mid eighties or higher, you know, but, but then again, with pitching, it's not just the velocity you're looking at since strike thrower, which is a, a real risky guy to take, or is he throwing 65 to 70 as a high schooler? You know, and, and those are the guys you look for. But um, I know also that there were times when I was an NAI head coach that I could recruit a bunch of shortstops, <laughs> and those guys could usually play second or third. Or, or they might be able to move to the outfield. Or center fielders that could go to the corners. Or, or a lot of times, it doesn't happen all the time as much as it used to, but it seemed like many catchers are, are very athletic and can go play other positions. Um, but it seems like more and more there are catchers nowadays that have almost uh, only been catchers. Uh, so, you know, you, you want to find catchers that can play multiple positions, but it's harder now, in my opinion, than it used to be. 
So, you know, the other part of that, when you're recruiting and looking at guys, you, you got to look at character. Hmm. Um, because the high character guys are guys you can trust. You don't have to worry about them on Thursday, Friday, Saturday night. Um, I mean, you still do worry about them, but you just, so in that, when you're recruiting, you, you, you've got to vet guys as much as possible. And as much as we can, we can go online and we can see videos of guys and they can send us videos or we can see them on, uh, social media pages. We can see them on the various recruiting websites and showcase websites. If we go and see them play three, four or five times, we kind of get a good idea of the kind of teammate they are, uh, how they handle adversity, how they handle success, um, you know, how they interact with their coaches, with umpires, how do they re respond to, you know, failure and all that kind of stuff. So there's a lot that goes into it. And it, and if you make quick decisions sometimes with guys just based on talent, then sometimes that's not the best way to go. Man, Coach Tyson, this is absolute gold. You know that our our core audience is really uncommitted uh, high school baseball players and their families, right. and this is the type of information right. they absolutely want to hear. And it's Great. incredible how important makeup really is because, you know, ultimately, hey, ultimately your baseball career is going to end at some point. It doesn't matter right. how talented you are. It is really what kind of man are you, are you and what kind of man are you becoming while you're in college that really leads ultimately to your success? This is big-time stuff, Coach Tyson. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Definitely. So I know that you really don't like talking about yourself, and I do want to talk more recruiting, but, man, I tell you, I'd be, I, it, it wouldn't be right of me not to bring up Sienna Heights again. And, I mean, you're, you're a Hall of Famer there. And I just share <laughs> – right, maybe just share a couple of memorable moments and – and um, just just what the overall experience for was for you while you were there, and then to be inducted, just kind of give us a sense of that period. Well, uh, boy, I'll tell you, um, and maybe I shouldn't say this on, on the uh, World Wide Web, but uh, <laughs> I, I had more losses there than I had wins. Um, and and I will say, I, I don't want to say it was by design. It's not like you want to try to lose more games, you know, uh, th than you win. But in back then we, we were NAI, Siena Heights is still an NAI athletic program. And, and back when I was there, um, really the only thing mattered as far as getting to the postseason was, but when I started there, the NAI did not have affiliated conferences. We just had NAI districts. And for the most part, you had to be among, you know, the top four or six or eight to make your district tournament. And nothing mattered during the regular season outside of what you did against mm -hmm. your district, district opponents. So in those 16 years I was there, we went to Alabama every year. And most of those years, we, we did it on our spring break. And most of, well, my first year, we went to Alabama and spent a couple days in uh, Panama City, Florida, but we were 0-10, and, <laughs> and my mistake that year was not the 0-10 part, but it was scheduling a couple off days that week because it ended up that off days we practiced, but those were 75-degree sunny days, and we got rained out on a couple other days. 
And so I decided then, forget it. We're not going to schedule any off days. Um, so gen- generally, I was scheduling uh, eight double headers in eight days. Oh uh, and this is pretty much unheard of nowadays. <laughs> and we were playing all Alabama schools. And at the time, we were playing against uh, Birmingham Southern College, uh, top schools, University of Montevallo, which was Division Two. North Alabama was Division Two. We play Huntington College in uh, Montgomery, Faulkner University, uh, you know, schools like that. So we're playing eight doubleheaders in eight days because I knew if we got rained out, we were still going to get enough games played. And sometimes what would happen, and it would happen especially against AUM and uh, Birmingham Southern, like if I had two doubleheaders scheduled against them and we were rained out one day, we would just play a triple header the other day. Um, but we, if, if we had three wins out of 16 games playing a schedule like that, I knew we were going to be pretty good. Um, and also when I was recruiting pitchers of that time, then I, I could, I could sincerely tell pitchers that we're playing 16 games in eight days. (laughs) You're going to get a chance to pitch at least probably two or three times. Um, but this during awesome. those, yeah, well, during those years, um, uh, we, uh, you know, it, yeah, you can say I, I'm, I'm in the Siena Heights Hall of Fame uh, the summer of 87. So, you know, there wasn't a lot of, uh, there weren't a lot of baseball seasons played before I became the head coach. So I was there for 16 years. So by the time I left, I had been there more than half the time that there were males going to the school. Um, You know, we did have, I don't know, a couple championships during those times. We had a a few guys drafted and a few more that signed pro contracts. And so, you know, we were having success um, and we were, you know, playing a lot of games and, um, and, and the beautiful thing I, I thought I felt like when, when I was inducted in the Siena Heights Hall of Fame as one of my pitchers, Jason Martinez, uh, was inducted the same time that I was. And I hadn't seen Jason in quite a while. He lives in, uh, in the El Paso area now. And he was one of the guys we had drafted. Um, and the unfortunate, he would have been uh, inducted in the Hall of Fame much earlier than he did but he was drafted after his junior year of college and you can't get in the Siena Heights Hall of Fame unless you, you <laughs> graduate. And so he finally be able to go in with him and, and he's a high school coach now in Texas. Um, but, but all the memories obviously are, you know, you have uh, memories with championship teams, but more than that, you know, and especially, well, as long as I've been around, um, and especially being in Michigan for as long as I was, I ended up uh, recruiting the sons of of guys that played for me at Siena Heights. Um, and and even if I didn't recruit their sons, then I ended up seeing a lot of them while their sons were playing high school and summer baseball, um, you know, over the years. Uh, and and so it's those relationships. It, it, coaching is all about relationships and, and especially with, you know, the way social media has blossomed in the last 
a few decades, uh, I'm able to connect with them uh, via social media. And I, and I still am in touch with, with them. And shoot, I've got players that are grandparents <laughs> now, you know, and I'm not a grandparent. Um, so, so it's awesome to be able to s- still have those connections with those guys. That, those are probably the things that I remember most. And actually, I, was, I don't know, we were talking about something that happened years ago, probably at Siena Heights. Yeah, my ex-wife said something about remembering a guy that dove headfirst into a base and his finger was sideways. And, and she's a health professional, so she remembers those, those kind of things. And I told them that, you know, if, if, if I could figure out who it was, I'd probably remember it. But I, when I get together with my old players and they bring up like stupid stuff that they did or that I did, you know, I, it's funny. I never remember the negative things. I always remember the positive things. So, so ultimately most of my memories center, center around, you know, interacting with my guys. Absolutely. Man, what a great career. What a great life. I love everything that you're talking about. Man. Yes. That was an awesome 16 period of your life as well. And, you know, that the scheduling so innovative. Now I can understand why Hillsdale wanted you. If they were a high academic school, it makes a ton of sense. You were really, really smart <laughs> to figure that out. <laughs> That's uh, good stuff. Yeah, well, of course, at Hillsdale, uh, I mean, nowadays nobody plays that kind of schedule, really. No. Um and, and actually, back at Siena Heights, I will add, we were playing Michigan a doubleheader every year on their bye weekend. Wow. We were playing Michigan State every year. Um, and we were probably usually playing five to seven games a year against Division One teams. We beat Michigan once. We beat Michigan State three times. Beat University of Toledo. Beat University of Detroit. Uh, played at Notre Dame a few times. So, you know... Those things don't happen as much now because of the way, basically the way like Division One does their postseason. You know, it doesn't do a Division One team any good to play a, an NAI team anymore because right. it doesn't help them in maybe getting an at-large bid in the postseason. Yeah, absolutely. Hey, again, everyone that is joining this evening, thank you so much for being here. Thank you again for the support of Now D1, and thank you for supporting Coach Tyson as well. I mentioned earlier that we record this space so that we can retweet it out later, but we also record it because we turn it into a podcast and that podcast is now D one speaks and it's got a great following. You know, it's, it's a good opportunity to kind of marry uncommitted prospects with college coaches, you know, uncommitted prospects want to figure out how they can get noticed and college coaches want to figure out how they, they can get better prospects. So it, it's a pretty good little match here. And if, if this is something that interests you, I would really appreciate it if you go out and find us. We're on Apple, YouTube, uh, Spotify, you name it. It's out there. And, uh, again, it's now D1. Uh, now D1 Speaks. And I would appreciate it if you would subscribe. So, Coach Tyson, yeah. let me ask you something. You know, you, you referenced earlier, really, when we were kind of talking about the D2, D2 guys and the D3 guys, and you really ended it with a lot of talk about makeup, you know, what kind of character a, a player has and so forth. If we just took that one piece out, you know, about the high character guy, but how can a high, what I'm trying to get to is how can a prospect really um, kind of stand out and get on a, on a coach's radar? Well, 
I would say getting on a college radar, on a college coach's radar, first of all, with uh, um, the way we can uh, interact with guys uh, today in today's world, you've got email. I would say the first thing to do is contact coaches directly. Uh, probably every every um, college athletic program in the country has a recruiting questionnaire uh, built into their website, and guys can fill that out. And I would probably, if I would fill that out, send a, an email directly to the coaches, certainly to the head coach and the recruiting coordinator, if not to the entire coaching staff. Um, that's one way to get the ball rolling. Another is to um, make sure you're including uh, in, in, in all your communications with the coaches uh, events that you might be participating in, um, whether it's showcases or camps, uh, at, even if they're at other colleges um, or, or tournaments you're playing in and, and things like that. Um, and, and then the other thing is that uh, even though it's not always uh, easy for even us college coaches to do, but if you're a high school guy, make sure that you let your high school coaches and your summer coaches know or at least have an idea, you know, what kind of academic programs you're looking for so they can help you to, you know, and, and they can recommend colleges that, that they might have connections with, uh, you know, to apply to or to get in touch with the coaching staffs. Um, also let them know who you, if you've contacted certain colleges. Uh, also, I would probably, if I was a high school guy, I'd be hesitant to copy and paste too much because you inevitably are going to uh, maybe miss something that you should change from one email to the next, you know, just try to be as genuine as possible. Uh, try to be yourself. Um, and then of course, um, when you're playing and when you're at camps man, go all out all the time, you know, give, give a hundred percent, a hundred percent of the time. And, uh, I would also say, even though we understand that you're 16 years old or whatever the age you are when we see you, you could be anywhere from, you know, pr probably 15, 16, 17 are the most common ages of guys we see. And we understand that you're, you're still developing, not just physically, but uh, mentally and emotionally. And, but, but during a game, you probably should really try to start working on the mental part of the game so that when when things aren't going your way, you're not wearing your emotions on your sleeve all the time. Man, that's fantastic advice. Thank you so much for walking through that. I'm telling you, there are a lot of guys out there and a lot of families that will absolutely be listening to this, hear what Great. you're saying, and that is perfect, perfect advice. Thank you so much for that. Good. You're welcome. Hey, yeah, well, thank you. I, I think we should probably get um, – about where we're kind of wrapping this up. Although I gotta okay. tell you again, I have thoroughly enjoyed this. I mean, you were very, I, and for everybody that's out there, I just have to let y'all know. I mean, coach Tyson and I, we don't know each other at all. We've, we've right. had one previous phone conversation 
And uh, quite honestly, I just reached out to him and said, hey, we've got this little podcast. Would you be interested in being on it? And immediately he just said yes, just to kind of give you an idea of who he is. When we did talk, I wanted to let him know who our core audience is. And boy, I tell you, you've just taken that to heart. And you have just given so much advice and just given of yourself so freely. I mean, I can understand why you've had just a a fantastic career and I've gotten to know a little bit about your personal life. You got a great family as well. And I tell you, it's just a absolute reflection of you. So I've really have genuinely enjoyed this evening, coach Tyson. Thanks Alan. I'm enjoying it too. Thanks. Definitely. So maybe one last question. And I, and again, I just kind of want to think about the young guys here and um, maybe, maybe it's somebody who's just starting high school. And they are really, really good baseball player. And they, they want to be a good baseball player for as long as they can. What, what kind of steps do you think they should take just as freshmen in high school to really start putting them on a path that's going to allow them the opportunity to continue to succeed? Well, I would say, you know, for freshmen in high school, the first thing I would say is that if baseball is the only sport you play, then fine. That's great. That's that's not a problem. If you are enjoying playing more than baseball, or if you're enjoying playing other sports in the fall and winter, then that's great too. Don't uh, I I would I would want to discourage you from quitting to play another sport if you're still enjoying playing those other sports, um, because you can learn a lot from the, your coaches in those other sports, from your teammates. And you can learn a lot about competing, being a team player, and all that kind of stuff. Um, the other thing when, you, when it comes to strictly coming to baseball is that I'd say that you want to challenge yourself, um, whether that's, uh, you know, maybe putting yourself in a situation where you know, get playing time a challenge for you to play the positions you like to play, um, et cetera. Um, you know, so that's one way to challenge yourself. Another is to, boy, just learn, learn how to take challenging batting practice, uh, learn how to work more on, if you're a pitcher, don't just work on arm strength. Arm strength is going to be ultimately important, but that's not what makes a pitcher. Uh, you got to be able to throw strikes. Uh, you've got to be able to uh, handle adversity. Um, um, and, and so you want to challenge yourself in practices too. So in other words, don't just, you know, go to the local uh, park with your dad throwing nice and easy BP, doing T-work and front toss and stuff like that. And just because you're putting the ball on the barrel of the bat, thinking that you're ready to go uh, and play in a game because once you get in a game, they're not going to throw cookies over the middle to you. You're going to be facing, you're going to be having to see change-ups when it's a 2-0 and count, you know, against some pitchers. You're going to have to, you know, see play as many positions as possible because ultimately the more positions you can play, then the better opportunity you're going to have to play. Um, because you, if you do get recruited and, and land on a college roster and you're, say, a shortstop, well, it's possible 
that, you know, I mean, shortstops are generally the top athletes on teams and, and there might be some studs ahead of you. So you got to be able to make sure you can play other positions. Um, also make sure you're working on your speed and certainly in ninth grade, if you're not in there already, get in the weight room and get in the weight room and make sure you've got a mentor or a coach who can help you to, to train you in there so that at least you're, you're doing uh, exercises the right way uh, uh, that's good for your health and your body. And, you know, they can help you advance there. But in today's world, uh, as opposed to when I was coming up there, when I played, there were some coaches that didn't want baseball players to lift weights. Now it's really a necessity. Um, so I would do all those things for handling adversity um, and, or handling success as well um, and being a great teammate. Those are, those are all the things that you can start working on as a ninth grader. Man, what great advice. Just a great night. I got to tell you, Coach Tyson, man, I just wish you going forward nothing but the best of success. And I certainly – Wishing Newberry the best of success this year as well. So, again, thank you so much for being here. Thanks, Alan. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. And with that, I want to say we're probably going to end it for tonight. So, good night. Hey, let me ask you something. Are you ready to dominate at the plate this season? Blast Baseball is the number one hitting improvement solution, trusted by more major league, college, and travel ball teams than any other. The Blast sensor attaches to the knob of any bat, providing real-time feedback with every swing. Metrics are automatically sent to a smartphone app, generating insights that allow you to analyze and improve your hitting like never before. Go to BlastMotion.com and enter code NOWD1 and you will save $25 at checkout. Unlock your potential with Blast. Blast.